What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast, the first one of 2022. I'm your host, Vito, this week. We're uh, we're down a man, no Steve McCutcheon, but uh, we got Mike in the studio and we got a really great episode for you guys this week. Uh, before we get started, take a moment, hit the bell and subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, you know, wherever you guys get a hold of us, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and, you know, start of 2022, let's kick it off with the, the biggest portion of 2022. We are officially, Mike, in a World Cup year. How good does that feel? Cheers. Sounds good. <laughs> so in spite of that, let's let's talk about a little bit about the World Cup. A bit too early predictions, obviously. But um, who wins, Mike? Who's your who's your pick right now? Wow. This is uh, putting me on the spot here. Yep. Um, I'm very tempted to say France just because it's France and they seem to have the most depth. But part of me kind of gets the feeling after watching – Spain play they could be a real dark horse and a real runner in the world cup um <clears throat> I'm never going to say Belgium because they just they you know they're kind of like the Tottenham Hotspur of the international league but um yeah I, I think I'm gonna have to go France to be honest I, I think the depth is just too too much there so what you're saying is it's not coming home it's not coming oh, home. I, 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 oh, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. Do you have somebody like you think it'll? Yeah, pop? no, I was actually thinking Spain as well, um, at least to be in contention more so than they were um, mm-hmm. in a couple previous tournaments recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, France are going to be up there. Obviously, you know, everyone's playing well for the most part of those bigger teams. I think Germany has a resurgence this year. Really? Because they yeah. looked really bad. I think, I know, but I think Timo Werner's starting to come back. He's looked good when he's been playing for them lately. Leroy Sané, Serge Gnabry, Manuel Neuer, still Manuel Neuer, Leon Goreska in the midfield. I think there is just so much unbelievable talent in that team, and I think they're just starting to put it together based on what, what I, you know, friendlies and other things. Obviously, it didn't go according mm-hmm. to plan in the Euros, but, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't count out the absolute machine that Germany is. Yeah, they are a machine. What about a surprise team out of curiosity? I would love to say the United States. God, I would love to say that, <laughs> but I think that's maybe a 2026, a 2026 call. Um, my surprise is actually going to be not a surprise team to do well, but a surprise team to falter. And I think Italy. Mm. Yeah. I can see them taking a backtrack. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, that's assuming they, they make it because they still have that, that playoff to go through, obviously them and mm-hmm. Portugal. Um, mm-hmm. but I think if, if they get through with them or Portugal, both teams are going to be shockingly, mm-hmm. I don't want to say bad, but not to the levels you expect either of those teams to be. You saw where their kind of form I, fell I, off. I think Portugal is going to be horrendous if they, get <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, that being said, as a surprise team for myself, honestly, and assuming they go through, if they go through, I'm going to say our neighbors to the North Canada, Canada, I Canada. Think if exactly, I think they're going to do a whole lot. Alfonso Davies has already made a name for himself in Europe. I think this is the point where he explodes on the world stage, in my opinion, if they make it to the World Cup. I hope so. He deserves it, man. That guy's unbelievable. Yeah, his story is unbelievable also. Yeah. If anyone hasn't listened to it, go check it out. Yeah. But uh, also with 2022 in January comes the opening of the winter transfer window. Um, not a lot of big moves so far. Obviously, the headliner is Ferran Torres. For mm-hmm. about sixty-three million pounds from Man City to Barcelona, mm-hmm. I, if they yeah, had sixty-three million dollars, they should have just gave it to Messi, in my opinion. But <laughs> that's, that's another topic. <laughs> um, good signing or bad signing for Barcelona? 
in all honesty, I think that's actually a great signing for them because if you look at their team now, right, they mm-hmm. got Fernand Torres, but then on top of that, they have Ansu Fadi, 19, Pedri, 19, Gavi, 17, Dest, 21, Ricky yeah. Puig, 22. They have a really strong core that they're starting to build. And you can kind of see the direction they're really wanting to go and what Xavi's trying to do with that team. Um, I think it's the right move. If that's the guy he wants, so be it. Um, it'll be interesting to see who else they try to bring in with whatever money they're pulling out of their asses and whatever yeah. couches that they have hiding in the camp new. But um, I think it's a great signing for them in all honesty. Yeah, it sounds like um... – that signing was kind of, I don't know, a shot across the bow to, to Usman Dembele, I think, as well. Like, hey, honestly, we're regardless of the situation we're in, we're still Barcelona, and we're not going to be pushed around by your demands right now. Like, you're, you're injured literally 50% of the time, and if you want to go, go. Yeah. So that's, that's what it feels like to me. I agree with you. I think the, the age of that team, they're, they're going to build something for the future. I don't think they're going to be contenders for anything like significant like Champions League for a couple of years. No, but nothing. three years down the road, that core could – could just be like the old Spain national team. You know how everyone in Barcelona was basically on that team and they won the World Cup. So that's kind of what it seems like they're building in all honesty. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> so that would be great. That's going to be good to see. Um, but well, on, a, on the a, two biggest transfers. I know. I was going to say on, on, a, on a U.S. note, though, two big USA transfers, both uh, both forwards. Um, Daryl DK moved over to West Brom to start it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a great move for him. West Brom are pushing for that promotion. They're in fourth place right now in the championship. Mm-hmm. And they have they have the least tie for the least amount of goals against in the entire league. So their defense is, is not a problem. That's actually what's been carrying them so well. But out of the top six teams, they have the least amount of goals scored. So mm-hmm. Daryl DK is going to get time out on the field there. They have mm-hmm. to give him the time. So I think it's a really good move. And if they can get promoted – that he's already built a report to team and now he's playing Premier League football. Um, it's not a it's not a loan move, is it? It's a permanent transfer. Correct? Yeah, that was like, a permanent transfer. Yeah, I I think that's the right move for him. I think that's, at least right now, that's his caliber. At least in England, probably mm-hmm. that champ higher championship level, fighting for that promotion spot. Um, West Brom, or you know, they're always that perennial team <laughs> where they could be in the uh, they could be in the Premier League. They could not be. They kind of fall in and out. And I think that's where his level is for the time being. And to fight for a promotion spot, he went through that last year with, it was Cardiff, right? Or, or Barnsley, I can't remember. It was Barnsley. Um, whatever team he was with, where they went through the promotion fight, he's going to have a load of experience and hopefully he can help carry them you know, above. And maybe if we're lucky, we'll not only see him in the Premier League, but also Fulham with Anthony Robinson and Tim Ream, who mm-hmm. I believe are sitting in first place of the championship right now, if I'm not mistaken. So... Yeah, uh, Bournemouth's up in front right now. Bournemouth. I'm sorry, Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. still, that's a lot of Americans who are about to be invading the Premier League, potentially. Yeah, definitely. And I think he's exactly what the type of – his play style is exactly what is expected in the Premier League. I mean, he's 6'2", 220 pounds. Like, he he can play the, the whole play. He has the size. He could, what's up? should be a linebacker. Yeah, he's a linebacker. <laughs> New Gronkowski, Jesus. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it suits him. I think it's a good move. I mean, at a minimum – if they don't go through West Brom are playing very well, they're a, they're a top team in the championship and he's going to, mm-hmm. he's going to learn a lot and he's going to get a lot of experience that, I mean, not, not for nothing. You're probably not going to game in MLS. It's a, just a yeah. different beast. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, we're going to switch it up to Ricardo Pepe, who actually just com- to uh, confirm to move to Augsburg. I believe it was mm-hmm. uh, permanent transfer. They are in the 
opposite predicament of West <laughs> Brom. They're in the top flight, but they're about to go down. <laughs> Not, oh, they're very close. They're teetering. They're very close edge. to going down. Yeah. Pretty wild, too. He went for $20 million. Yeah. Um, what is he, 18, 19? going for that amount of money and the yeah. MLS um, that's spectacular for him. The MLS itself, uh, I think it's a great stepping stone for him to get in, be in a relegation battle more or less off the bat. Hopefully it doesn't result in the same situation that Josh Sargent had when he was at Werder Bremen, but he starts banging in goals at Augsburg, keeps them up, keeps them alive, has good experience fighting in the German Bundesliga. Um, and ultimately if they're paying that amount of money for him, he's starting immediately he's coming in he's gonna get game time he's gonna play yeah we were talking about it last night like the Bundesliga does such a good job at developing talent because in my opinion mm. I think it's a good blend between the physicality that that leagues like the Premier League um, expect of you and also the technical ability that leagues like La Liga have so I think it's a really good place for someone like him who who's good with his feet and he's also fairly large um, mm. target man at the same time to kind of craft it straight I mean you see what you see what happens when players go out on loan there. I mean, Borussia Dortmund's obviously like the telltale. Like they just produce talent, and then you have players mm-hmm. like Andreas Christensen who did a two-year loan at Munchen Gladbach, and I mean, was unheard of until that, and then he just broke out and was being looked at by Barcelona, and now plays for Chelsea. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's I think it's a really good move for him. I'm very happy with both moves by for these guys. I think it's going to be great for them and for the national team when they develop who do a you, further. Who do you think gets the most out of their move two or three years from now? Daryl DK. Mm, Why is that? I I think the move he made is suited to him perfectly. Not to say that Ricardo Pepe's isn't good and that that I just think that it you're gonna go to a club, you're gonna you're gonna go across seas. Um, it makes sense to go to the championship at that point and mm-hmm. gain spirit experience and um and knowledge in of like a familiar and not almost a familiar environment, but I think mm-hmm. it's easier for an American to settle. In, in England, in England, then it is going to be yeah. for them to settle in Germany. And that's and that mm-hmm. is a, that's a mental factor. And that does affect the players just as much as anything else. I'm mm-hmm. not saying like the Bundesliga is not a, a fantastic league. I love watching it. Um, I just think that DK is going to get a little bit more out of where he chose to play because of the play style that he's he's brought there to do mm-hmm. rather than Ricardo Pepe. I, th- I think I would disagree with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Ricardo Pepe will be on the better trajectory because I just don't trust. And from what I've seen of West Brom in the past recent years, West Brom as a team, I know Augsburg with my little German Bundesliga experience as a team that relatively stays up for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that in general, in terms of playing time, he's going to get it off the bat. He's going to be probably one of their main go-to guys, assuming he's at least assisting or putting in goals or doing something along those lines. Um, they're not splash, splashing 20 mil on him to just sit on the bench. He's he's coming in there to make a difference immediately, given the low number of goals they've scored. And hopefully, you know, he can build on what he's done already with an MLS and that can translate not only there, but also internationally as well with the US. So yeah, at least for I, both players. No, I, I get that. I, I I do. It's I think there's two different players. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be good for both of them just overall. I think the U.S. is going to reap a lot of benefits, and we're, they're going to look back at this in like a couple of years and say that was a good a good time of the year for both these guys to go. <laughs> yeah, you know? I would agree. I would agree. So can't go wrong. Can't go wrong there. Um, another headline story we got. We were talking about this again last night. Lukaku's explosive interview with, with I believe, Sky Italia, where he essentially <laughs> comes out and says he's unhappy because he doesn't want to be playing that 
that style that Chelsea plays and the position that he's playing. And he mm-hmm. pretty much wants to go back to Italy and then goes <laughs> on to Facebook and changes his bio to Inter Milan player, changes it off Chelsea to back to Inter Milan. Did he actually do that? Yeah, <laughs> confirmed. I looked it up. I double checked it. That is that's kind of that's kind of the ballsiest move of all time. It's really <laughs> he's wearing a Chelsea jersey in his photo and tagged himself into Milan. Wow, that's uh that's pretty interesting. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna be honest. Um grass isn't always greener on the other side, is it? No. Um <laughs> I also saw a report too that apparently the Inter Milan uh I guess fanatics or their ultra they don't fans. Want they don't want them back. Yeah. They're kind of sending messages like, hey, like you made your decision. You're out. We don't really yep. care. The president of Inter Milan even said, we got Jekko. Like, we don't really need you. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he kind of burned a lot of bridges in that interview. Um, yeah, he shot himself in the foot big time. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I can't see Romelu Lukaku leaving Chelsea yet, given the amount of money that they exorbitant amount of money they paid for him over the summer. Plus the fact that if they were going to sell him, who would they sell him to? Where would he even go? Yeah. I, I don't see anything happening, at least from the next six to eight months, at a bare minimum. So uh, he's, he's stuck in Chelsea wearing blue for the time being. The question is how much time will he be playing with Tuchel, um, you know, as the head coach? So we'll see. I think he needs personally to kind of grow up and just adapt to the system. He made that choice. So. I completely agree. I mean, it's he came in and must have talked to Tuchel before he got there. He knew what exactly. his possibilities were going to be, where they're playing the exact same style they were playing last year when they won the Champions League. Exactly. It's, it's time to be a grown-up about it. I don't know what the issue is. Um, I will that's say one of, that's another thing. They, they, they won the Champions League last year. Why is he complaining about yeah. the style of play? Like, yeah. yeah. And have they have no... a relatively, relatively quote-unquote easy draw in the round of 16 to start, so it's looking good for them early on in there as well. Yeah. And you know what? Truthfully, Full credit to Thomas Kukul, who dropped him completely from, from the starting lineup, not on the substitute list, not on the reserves. He's just out of the lineup against mm. it with a massive game against Liverpool on the horizon. They, he decided to play with Kai Havertz. But I like to see that. I'm Maybe I'm a little old school, but I don't believe the players should have the power that they do in these clubs. You put on that jersey for the club. And you mm. give everything you have for the fans and and for the club. It's it's not about you. And too too often nowadays with the price tag on on these players, it's become let's cater and become man management more than a natural coach. And that's what Tom, something Thomas Tuchel talked about when he was mm. at PSG. He was mm. saying I felt like I was managing Mbappe, Neymar, and all their friends and family. I did less coaching, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just a little bit of ridiculous. So I, I'm glad to see him taking the power and going. You know what, dude. I don't give a shit how much you cost. You want to talk that shit, you're not playing. Like, that's just how it's going to go. Do you think the Chelsea board will back Tuchel or will they back Lukaku? I think they'll back Tuchel. Yeah? Uh, Yeah, I I think you're at a point where Lukaku costs a lot, which I understand. Mm -hmm. But it's been four months. It's not like his price tag went down by 100 million pounds. You know what I mean? So if they wanted to move him on, I'm sure they could relatively quickly. Um, it could easily just look at Harry Kane, exhibit A. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe he goes to Man City. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather than the rumors of him going to Spurs, honestly. But um, yeah, we'll see. I, I but still, it's not good. Mm. Um, I wanted to get a quick update from you. I, I was racking my brain about it. I the COVID situation. We mm-hmm. talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and you know, it seems to be a continuous topic. At what point? Are you do you think they're going to be canceling enough games where you just kind of throw your hands up and you're like, well, 
this team is five games behind, this team needs four games ahead, et cetera, and this team hasn't played in three weeks. What, when is the point to start discussing making some adjustments? I logically would say that conversation should have happened, <clears throat> like probably prior to the, the Christmas scheduling and all those games that took place when they had that week break. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Premier League, like most other FAs, are, they're focused on some TV rights and some money yep. rights. Um, and I don't think for the time being that they're going to really entertain taking a pause unless there's a massive, massive outbreak uh, of COVID within the, the Premier League. And for the time being, I think they're more than comfortable letting teams go maybe four or five games in hand before like they might have to do something i think once you hit that five mark that's when they'll probably consider it but a couple right now close. Yeah, I, close to that right four games or three games behind chelsea three three right burnley, chelsea is 21 and then burnley's at uh, i think 17 yeah right now yeah but but yeah i mean i realistically they should have just taken like two weeks canceled moved some schedules around i understand logistically how much of a bitch that is to do but for the player safety their families the staff you know it probably would have been the right thing i don't think they'll probably do something unless there's some type of government mandate in all honesty to to suspend the premier league so they're gonna force teams to play yeah which i mean i'm not upset about that realistically just because you're not gonna stop the spread of covid just because you you call off games and you call off the Mm -hmm. season i mean my 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 whole thought is if they stop letting in full capacity for the fans, it starts to become very hypocritical because yeah. you're canceling games because players are getting COVID, but you're letting full stadiums in. So it's like, it just kind of doesn't make, it doesn't make sense to me, I guess is what I'm kind of getting at. Like it, mm-hmm. I, you're right. It just comes down to money and, and all these other things. And I, I don't want to see players get hurt or whatnot, but if one guy gets COVID on the team, mm-hmm. they spend five, six, seven hours a day, every single day in close proximity to one another. Like, yeah, he's not dealing with it. So we're just going to let the game yeah. go on at this point. Like, come on. I know. <laughs> so it's, I know. it's just got to be some some type of happy medium because now you're starting to get into players getting injuries because it's already an incredibly busy festive period. Mm-hmm. And you can't really rotate because five or six key players are now out of the game because they potentially could be a positive COVID case. Yeah. And it's just it's just adding on. But. Anyway, we'll move on to the uh, the Stars and Stripes corner. We kind of touched on a couple of the transfers for big uh, Stars and Stripes guys, but we had two big mm. performances this week, uh, starting with Christian Pulisic in that um, in that trademark Liverpool-Chelsea match. Um, kind of blew a chance early on, though, didn't he? Uh, that one-on-one could have opened the scoring pretty early for Chelsea, but he did a pretty good job playing back in his natural position on the left wing, I thought. I don't know if he thought differently, mm. and finally snatched that goal at 2-2 in the 46th minute or so to level the game up. What do you think about the performance? Yeah, for him in particular, um, I think obviously he's a lot more comfortable playing on the wings, and that's where he should be playing ideally in any scenario. But the matter of the fact is Tuchel is playing him almost as like that utility man, like, hey, I trust you. I'm going to put you at the right wing back. I'm going to put you at the left wing back. And if I need to put you in whatever position, center forward, whatever, that's where you're going to have to play. And Pulisic, to his credit, he's doing those things. Is he always the best player in that position? Most likely not, but in the left wing where he was playing, um, I thought he, you know, was looking like he lacked a little bit of confidence initially for the first opening, like maybe 15, 20 minutes of the game. But as the game progressed, he definitely started to kind of get that swagger back uh, that where he's typically known for. And you mm-hmm. see him really driving at opponents. And once he had that other opportunity, um, he made 
no second guesses he finished it yeah. left foot perfect volley right into the right corner you, um, key, keeper was left clawing at air yeah so do you think um some of that confidence you were talking about that, that lack of confidence was due to him playing out of position so frequently because of injuries and, yeah. and everything else yeah I, I think so i think there was that aspect to it and i also think the fact that there were rumors about like hey is he gonna stay is he gonna go barcelona's interested like what's he gonna do so obviously there's that other mental piece probably affecting the game a little bit but in general i think the confidence aspect came down to probably him being injured more or less, not getting enough minutes. And once he kind of found that groove back and would felt comfortable in the place he was playing, it just became natural to him. Like it normally does. Yeah. I, I speaking of um, left wing versus through the middle, I actually prefer him on the left wing more so than the middle for Chelsea, yeah. at least because he let you get more one-on-one situations with him out in the wing, which he, which I think he's better at because yeah, he's he a mouse play to the middle. Who's better at playing those passes. So I think, for the national team, I think you have to play him through the middle because, I mean, he's by far and large our best player outside of maybe Weston McKennie. Um, mm. But I, it's good to see him back in his natural position. And that was a desperately needed goal and performance because he was getting a lot of a lot of shit mm. over the weeks. But to your point, uh, he's playing out of position, doing the best he can, and he's still putting in a pretty good shift, so you can't be too upset with it. Mm-hmm. So um, nothing going on big there. Um, not, not much else going on in the uh, – the national team front. It was a, it was a good year. I mean, we won the, what was it? The gold cup, the yep. nation's league. We beat up on Mexico, what, three times in a row, was it? Which oh, was yeah. the first time it's happened in how long? Remind everybody who's yeah. listening. <laughs> Just give them a little reminder. Yep. And uh, we're, we're currently sitting second in the world cup qualifier standings after, you know, what's been admittedly a up and down ride for us so far. So mm-hmm. hopefully better things to come. Um, we only have a couple more months, you know, until we, we know our fate. So hopefully we can pull it off. And- in all honesty, if you told me in the beginning of this year that the U.S. would get those two tournament wins, they'd be sitting second place in World Cup qualifying. I'd bite your hand off for that. Yeah, uh, not even. I think you'd be cry. saying I, prayers ninety percent of the yeah. time. Like, please let that happen. Yeah, uh, not even in question. Um, yeah. The fact that two of those wins, too, in the final were against Mexico, mm-hmm. make makes it even sweeter. So, I am honestly pretty happy with that and also to see some key players bring big performances especially in the world cup qualifying matches a lot of whom those were their first cycle um obviously it was going to be a little shaky in the beginning but to see them kind of come back and grow and mature especially as some key players were missing like Pulisic was had the hamstring injury Reina had his injury some players had COVID etc so I think overall it's it's been a really solid year for the U.S. men's national team definitely and um I mean I mean although at the same time it all comes down to this. I mean, if not, not to say that it's, it's meaningless, but if you don't qualify for the World Cup, I would trade everything in that happened oh, in order absolutely. to get a World Cup berth. So really, absolutely. at the end of the day, it comes down to this tournament. And um, I mean, fingers crossed, I, I'm, I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling, I'm feeling lucky and happy that they're playing as well as they are most of the time, that is. Um, but we'll see. Big game's coming up. All right, let's move on to the Premier League, man. There's a lot of games going on. Um, well, there should have been more, but obviously COVID canceled just about half of them. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll rattle off some of the games, especially some of the big performances, and take a look at the, the Premier League and how everything's going. Um, let's kick it off in, in table format. Top of the table, Manchester City. Um, yeah. 53 points, just absolutely just smacking everyone they come across for the most part. 11-game win streak, 33 out of 33 points, 10-point lead over their next closest rival in Chelsea. Um 
they beat Leicester 6-3 in the highest scoring Boxing Day match of all time. Yeah, that, that, that game was ridiculous. There was ridiculous. a point where I was like, can Lester do it? Yeah, I wanted, his, them to, I wanted them to. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and they follow that up with a 1-0 win against uh, Brentford. Admittedly, not their, their greatest performance, but this is what champions do. They, they, mm-hmm. they have tough games and they pull it out. Yeah. Um, do you think City, it's City to lose at this point. 10 oh, points a, a, up a, after a, Christmas. A thousand, a thousand percent. Right. If, they lost, if they lost it, it'd be a travesty at this yeah, point. That'd be a bottom um, it, it would, It would be up there, to, to be honest. Um, I, I think right now, as you can see, they're the best team in England. It's not even debatable. It's yeah. not a question. Um, what's crazy, too, is like we were all ripping them earlier in the season for not having a striker. How would they cope with that? And to Pep's credit, at least as a coach, I know I personally give him shit because I've always said, hey, he gets to buy whatever player he wants I, for the most part. And in, in, in this for right now, not to say he hasn't had that opportunity to buy a lot of Man City players, but he's got the players that he wants in the system he wants. And he might not have the right striker for hypothetically, but it, he's making it look like it really doesn't even matter. He can almost plug anybody in there, even you, Vito. And maybe they would still. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know what foot's my strong foot. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, credit to them. I mean, they're they're unbelievable right now to watch. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that Arsenal game a couple days ago, mm-hmm. regardless of the form that Arsenal was in going into that match, I didn't think that they were going to be playing as well as they did. I I think City was lucky to wait, get away with points in that match, as uh, all yeah. three points in that match, I should say. Um yeah. Couple of questionable decisions, including an early penalty for Arsenal that was waved away, um, yep. and then a red card against Arsenal later on that pretty much sealed it up for City once yep. Rodri scored that what, 94th minute winner. Well yeah. taken, by the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, they have to drop a lot of points for this to become a title race again. A lot. They I, have to lose like at least four games. And even then, everyone else has to just win all of their games without dropping I, points. The way the other two closest teams, Liverpool and Chelsea, are playing right now, I just don't see them making up that gap. Even yeah. if, even if hypothetically City were to lose four games in a row, I just don't see either Chelsea or yeah. Liverpool having the form to hit four games in a row to do that. Agreed. That that'll and this will be what four four league wins out of five years, just barring that man's that Liverpool victory year and a half ago, two years ago almost. Yeah. So I mean, credit right. to him. All right, we had Chelsea up next. Obviously, we. Obviously, we just touched on it earlier. A massive game against Liverpool, a 2-2 mm-hmm. draw. Um, mm-hmm. That was a fantastic performance from them, in my opinion, especially coming off a not-so-great performance yeah. against Brighton where they were 1-0 up and gave it away in the almost 90th minute or so, 90-something minute. So yeah. I think that was a big two points to keep them in firmly in the top four race considering that while they're higher on points at the moment, mm-hmm. a lot of teams behind them, Spurs included, have – two to three games in hand at times, you know, yep. um, West Ham is still right in the running. And so is Arsenal. There, there are obviously problems in that team. I mm. think that's without a doubt. I think the most glaring of them for them is the fact that their wingbacks are injured and all you have is 42 pace Marcus Alonso on the left side of that defense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's a really tough fixture schedule right now. I mean, they just played Liverpool they have two games coming up, cup matches against Tottenham, and they play Man City soon. So I think once yep. once they get through January, you'll get a better idea of where they stand. But yep. um, I still think they're they're going to feel pretty confident about their position at the moment. 
Yeah, I think that Liverpool game in particular too, because um, the the draw, like you said, against Brighton, um, definitely was a kick in the balls to them because that was at the that was at the end, if I'm not mistaken, right? They got that. Yeah, that it goal. was late, really late. Yeah, like that. That's a kick right there. Um, but the game against Liverpool, going down 0-2 that early, coming back, having the composure to score the two goals. Um, and even more so like they were creating chances in the second half and there was, if it weren't for a couple really good saves, you know, by, uh, I, I can't remember his name, but, um, the Liverpool goalkeeper who wasn't Allison Taylor, Keller, Keller, yeah, the Irish kid. Um, they, they easily could have taken that game. Um, yeah. So it, I think that was a great performance to build on. Uh, there'll be obviously questions after, like you said, the next couple of games they have, but We'll see. Uh, we'll see which Chelsea team comes out of it. That was probably one of the most exciting 45 minutes, 50 minutes of, of a half of, I've ever seen in my entire life, to be honest with you. That was just it so was, it was up just there. a shootout guns blazing back and forth. Yeah, it, it was up there. They were playing like just they're on a different level. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and that I mean, speaking of Liverpool, not a great week for them, though, blowing a two goal lead away from home when they needed that all three points to keep pace or yep. somewhat keep pace with Liverpool. Yep. Um, and especially coming after a 1-0 loss to a Leicester, Leicester. team, which is inconsistent at best at mm-hmm. this point. I mean, what once Salah missed his first penalty since 2017, and then his header came off the bar, you just had a feeling it was not going to be their day. Um, and it just turned out it really wasn't their, their week. I mean, yeah, a point's good, but mm-hmm. they're going to be disappointed for not getting all three and not at least getting a point off that Leicester match. You know who's the most disappointed? Who's that? Klopp, because he can't go to the media and moan and groan about everything. Yeah, you know, the schedule is you have a game in hand. <laughs> um, no, all, all jokes aside, though, it's it's definitely a week to – I don't want to say forget because I did get a draw, but, you know, not the greatest week for Liverpool and their standards and what their fans are used to. Um, they're still firmly in the race for top four in Europe. So that that's still something to gun for. Yeah, and I don't think they're in um, danger and, of losing and, that. And in the Champions League too. Um, I, I think, you know, it is what it is. And you're starting to see that gulf of, of quality at the end of the day. So, yeah. Arsenal had a pretty good week, regardless of the fact they only picked up three of six possible points. They, they just beat up on Norwich as you, you would hope they would. 5-0 match just were utterly dominant through, from start to finish. And then even though they lose to City, that was probably one of, the, one of the biggest moments for Arsenal in the last two years where I looked at them and went, I now firmly believe you could almost beat any team you come up against at this moment in time. Yeah, I, I was really hoping they would have at least put a warning on the TV for mature audiences during the Norwich game because it was a beating, to yeah. say the least. It was X-rated. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the game against City in particular, obviously they had a couple decisions, like we talked about, didn't go their way. But they played unbelievably well as a team. And to Arteta's credit, I know, like, everyone was making fun of him in the beginning of the year. They were – Us included. Oh, 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 and three, Exactly. And we're like, oh, is he really Pep's prodigy? Whatever. I mean, he's kind of proven the haters wrong, ourselves included. And he really is stepping up as a coach, getting the most out of his young team. Um, and there's a lot to be said about that as a coach, uh, to be able to kind of control that dressing room and get the players to play in a way you want, in a system you want, buy into the culture and the mentality and put performances like that against Man City. Um, it was 
really amazing to watch. The biggest question I have for them is, you know, obviously they're still young. I think Martinelli in particular, I think he's a really good player that doesn't get talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if he starts finishing some more chances, he's going to get his name up and lights a little bit more. But once Aubameyang leaves, which it will happen inevitable very, at this point, very soon. And Lacazette, who they, I think they're kind of figuring out the contract situation for them. I really do have questions about who could take over that lead striking role, uh, maybe like six months time. And I think you'll, I, I think you'll really see them try to go after a, a big name striker, uh, yeah. whether it's this January or in the summer. I really think they need that. Yeah, if they, they want to, if they want to take that there. next, if they want to make that next step forward. Yeah. They have all these these great tricky players. I mean, like you said, Martinelli, Bukayo Saka are, are fantastic, but Neil Smith, they're not gonna and, yeah, they're yeah. not gonna get you 20 goals a year like you need in that Premier League team. Um, um, you gotta you gotta have that out and out striker for them at this point, and they're gonna have to go mm-hmm. to market. But they're you would tell any Arsenal fan they're they're in fourth place at the beginning um, of this year, they bite your hand off. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah. I, I think yeah, they're they're in the place that you expect West Ham to be at, which they are also one point behind in twenty games played as well. Mm-hmm. Um, with, but they're just they're they're just so West Ham are just so inconsistent. I don't I don't think they're going to be able to hold on to the, this fifth spot, in my opinion. I mean, look at their run of form right now. They lose to Southampton three two in in a great game. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. They bully mm-hmm. Watford all around with a four zero win, and then they beat Crystal Palace in a close game three two. Yeah. Do you think West Ham can keep it up to keep their spot right now? I think it honestly depends on how deep they go in Europe this year. Yeah. Because I do not think that squad is built for depth. I don't think they have the quality to take them in both things. So they have to make a decision. If they go on in the Europa League, do we put our mind and time and money into that? Or do we focus on trying to keep our place in you know the Europa League for next year or maybe the Champions League for the following year? Mm-hmm. Um in my personal opinion, I, I don't see them getting to like that, that spot. In all honesty, I don't see yeah. them keeping the fifth spot. I think they are a little inconsistent at times. Um, I also think that whatever game they play, you know, like we said, they, you could get a team where they lose one, one to three, something like that. You can get a team that where they just blow another team out. And it's almost like they're the opposite of Watford in a sense where like, if, if this makes sense, where basically a Watford team, they're going to lose most of the games, but it's like a blowout. And the West End team is like, they're going to win a, a decent amount of their games, but it's always like either like a high scoring game or a blowout. Mm-hmm. That may or may not make sense, but it's probably doesn't. I'm, I'm, <laughs> a little <laughs> I'm all over the place. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. The, I, I do think they're, they'll, they'll slip a little bit and they'll regress. Um, but over the past couple of games, the form they're in, the one thing I can say for sure is that bet the over in all of their games, they're putting up how many yeah. goals is that five plus goals in each game. Yep. Um, they're either letting in goals or they're scoring goals. So yeah. it's one or the other. Yeah. I, I think one of the main reasons they're not going to be able to get there is because of the next two teams, Spurs and Manchester United. Mm-hmm. I know United are on a little bit of a slip. Um, they mm-hmm. tied a Newcastle team one, one that they should have beat uh, and they lose to to Wolves. Um, Monday Monday evening on a late goal from Jao Matinho. Um, but they have they have that game in hand, and Spurs are what, sitting one point behind them with 18 games only played, so three games in hand over City yeah. and and Chelsea, who are now you're on Spurs are unbeaten in what about eight games or so? Eight games so, since Conte took charge. Since Conte took unbe- over, unbeaten in the Premier. Yeah, League. so they're looking good. I mean, hypothetically speaking, if Spurs were to win out their games in hand, three matches. Mm-hmm. you're talking about 41 points that puts them 
two points behind Chelsea in second place. Yeah, uh, I think given to kind of moving to the next spot, Spurs in six right now and how their window, at least like this little fixture list went, you know, to tie 1-1 against the Southampton team after they got a red card was definitely, you know, it felt like it felt like a, a loss in a sense, but they did get the 3-0 win against Crystal Palace and that was a big, big win for them. Uh, especially the one nil one against Watford, they have something being built. And I know we said this before, and obviously I'm a little bit biased as a Spurs fan, but Conte really seems to be getting the most out of his players in particular. And you can see exactly what he's mm-hmm. trying to do and where one, the improvements need to be made, but two with Spurs where players have drastically improved like Eric Deer, like Davinson Sanchez, like, um, Lucas Mora. Yeah. These players are really starting to shine under him and his system. Um, and you can only imagine, you know, especially in January or even next year, if he gets the players he wants, what they're going to be really capable of. So, yeah, it's kind of the opposite bounces of the next team, uh, Manchester United with the managerial bump. Um, Spurs got the bump. United do not. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no kind of way to say it. There's, the quality in this team, they're drastically underperforming at the moment um, based on the results we just said. So, yeah, they got to hope and turn around. Ronaldo's been a little not himself, hasn't been on the score sheet as often as lately. With that being said, he can no one's ever on the score sheet more other than Lionel Messi, realistically. So, yeah, um, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt him. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't doubt him either. So, we'll see what happens there. I'd want to highlight though the kings of the 1 0 scoreline, Wolverhampton Wanderers, the team who just beat Manchester United. Mm-hmm. They have now played, I believe it's eight 1 0 games so far this season. <laughs> How is that even possible? <laughs> That's quite the statistic, and yeah. it's unbelievable for them. Um, I really love, personally, the way that they've been playing under Bruno Lage. And yeah. I think, like we said earlier in the season, the results weren't going their way, but they're growing as a team in confidence under what he's trying to do, similar to what Conte is, in a sense. I think this team is maybe like one or two players away from honestly being able to push for like a European spot, in my opinion. Um, if they're able yeah. to get like a, a decent or good signing to bring in, I think Wolves have a really good system in place tactically. I think they have a good spine and good structure with like what they're trying to do and the players they have. And, you know, credit to them. They're in eighth place, uh, even with all those 1-0 games. So hard fought, but they're they're cl- grinding it out. Yeah, definitely. Um, we have Bright- Brighton Hove Albion again. I, this has been a great season for them. Ninth place, 27 points, 19 games played. Uh, big 2-0 win. Ooh, excuse me. <laughs> a beer. A big 2-0 win against Brentford and then a big draw against Chelsea mm-hmm. win the last minute and then followed it up with another win against Everton. That is a fantastic, fantastic week for Brighton. And in all seriousness, Brighton probably should have beat Chelsea. That could have been a three-for-three three week for Brighton. But I mm-hmm. think if you told a Brighton supporter they were going to pick up Seven of Two, nine points yeah. off of yeah. those, that, that fixture schedule, they'd be happy. I think any team in the world would be happy picking up seven to nine points out of nine mm-hmm. points. Um, so really good, really good for them. Um, Leicester City, that was – Leicester City and West Ham, they're next up on the list, are, in my opinion, very, very identical teams this season. Not in terms of the point totals, obviously. We know where West Ham's sitting. We know where Leicester City's are sitting. Mm-hmm. But – in the fact that they don't have a ton of depth in that team. But they turn out performances against the big boys when they need to turn them out. Yeah. And then they drop points against the teams they shouldn't be dropping points against. You don't know who you're going to get week in, week out. 
Mm-hmm. They get beat by City, but then they beat Liverpool 1-0. Like that's yeah. that is that's a good that's a decent week. They, at least the game against City too, even though they get lost six to three. They're expected to they lose. They came that. back. They were down four yeah. goals in 30-something minutes, dude. Yeah, that was that was bad yes. to watch. Yeah, and, they, and then they're like, fuck that. We're gonna make a four-three. <laughs> like, so it's tough for Leicester. I mean, they're out of um they're out of the Europa League, no. They finished I third, I believe. Did they? I thought they yeah, were they, third. No, I think they finished third in the Europa League. So I think they're out of Europe. So they'd just be able to focus mm-hmm. on um, just the Premier League. So we'll see. But mm-hmm. it's been kind of kind of up and down from this year. So hopefully now they're just able to focus on one one tournament, uh, one, yeah. one league. And, the big um, thing with them, too, they have us had a couple of COVID cases. They have 18 games played right now yeah. versus 21. Same, same so, as the uh, Spurs, right? So, yeah, so they're sitting at 25 points, right? But that could easily, you know, assuming they win those those games. Granted, one of them is against Spurs, but um, assuming they win those games, they could easily be putting themselves right in European contention. Yeah, so. two of those three, it's a 31 points out of 21. Mm-hmm. Not too far back from the from everyone in the top four. Well, except for City, because they're just ahead of everybody, but... Yeah. <laughs> Crystal Palace, another another decent week for them. Um, 23 points right now with 20 games played. So they have played a little bit more, but I think they had a pretty rocky start to the season. So it, it's it's kind of tough to look at the point total and get a good, good grip on the, the way they've been playing. They lost 3-0 to Spurs, um, but, I mean, Zaha got sent off pretty early on and just took all of the wind out of the sails for that, yep. that team, which yep. is tough to do. Um, and then they lost they lost 3-2 three, three, to West Ham, right? Uh, yeah, they that lost 3-2 three, three to the West Ham, but they also won 3-0 versus Norwich. Right. So. so up and down, up and down week. One bad game, one good game, and then one game where they didn't pull it out, but they played pretty well. I think yeah. I think Palace will be okay where they're at right now. I mean, Vieira is doing a pretty good job. I think 11th is more than fair. fair for where they are and where they should be as a team. And then yeah. moving on to 12th place, Brentford, 23 points, 19 games played. Um, they had a couple games where they lost what two overs Brighton, one over City. They beat Villa 2-1. See, I feel like it's the same kind of story with Palace, where if you told them earlier in the year, 12th place, midway point of the season at Jasper, the fixture, you're happy, you're yeah. content. I think that's exactly where you'd want to be as a club, especially a newly promoted club for that, for that fact. Yep. 13th place, Aston Villa, 22 points, 19 games played. And their fixtures over the past couple of days lost 3-1 to Chelsea, lost 2-1 to Brentford. Um, not the greatest way to end the calendar year for them. But that being said, you know, they had to go. I, I don't want to say they were due for a little bit of a slump because they went on a, a quick little run with Steven Gerrard mm-hmm. when he got when he got brought in. But how would you assess Villa so far since Gerrard's been brought in? Given I, what you've seen? I think they played a fantastic game against Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, it was they I believe they got on the score sheet first that match. Mm-hmm. Um, and were undone by two penalties. I mean, it was like the second time in in two weeks that Chelsea had gotten two penalties in one match, and I I thought they they looked great. I thought they came out of the gates firing. I thought they were the better team for large portions of that match. Obviously, not the same against Brentford. I think that was the game where they slipped up a little bit, and they, it was like kind of a comeback down to earth where we didn't play as well as we should have played. But based on where Villa were when Steven Gerrard took the reins and and how everything started for them, I think again you're you're happy to be in this spot. They bought a lot of players over the summer. Um, yeah. 
who are who are contributing, but it takes a while for that to gel and it takes time. And but you can see Gerard's tactics are coming into play. He hasn't playing the way he had he had at Rangers playing. So mm-hmm. I think it's just going to take take time. But I think you'll, they're happy where they are. I think at this point, a mid table f- finish or mid table mm-hmm. position is is a pretty good place for them. I'd agree. Fourteenth place, Southampton, twenty one points, nineteen games played. Um, basically they had a pretty good win kind of where we're going back to beat West Ham three, two great game. And then ultimately tied Spurs, uh, one, one right before they got a man sent off. They went up one nil Tottenham tied the game with a penalty uh, and then their player was sent off directly after that. Um, for them in particular too, to, you know, especially against a Spurs side, which is, has really good attackers, um, in terms of quality to hold them off for, 45 plus minutes. Um, I, I think that was a great result for, yep. for them. A great w- end of the calendar year. They get the win, they get the draw hard fought each one. Um, it's really big for them in particular, given the fact that a few weeks ago, they weren't that far off from the relegation zone um, and the drop. So yeah, those are, those are massive, massive points for them to get away from that. And it puts them in a little bit of breathing room. Yeah. Any, anytime you're, you're close to the bottom of the zone and you can take a point off the quote unquote top six, it's been a good week for you. Um, and back that up like what you like like you just said with a, a huge win against an actual top four team or five team at, at the time mm-hmm. in West Ham and mm-hmm. that's a great week those four points are huge they put a pretty good breathing room between them and the drop zone it's now a 10 point difference between them and Burley so yeah I'm, I'm with you man that's that's a big week and maybe mm-hmm. come end of the season they can look back at that those two games and go that was the turning point to, to guarantee us where we need to be I think that Spurs draw in particular was was huge yeah. for them. Huge, huge show of character yep. for them. Uh, but moving on to a team that is certainly lacking oh. character uh, and slipping, and not to be too much of an asshole, but uh, Everton, 19 points out of 18 games, lost 3-2 to Brighton, Hoven, Alvia in their only game played. So I guess, Vito, where do we even begin with Everton? What's going wrong with them? What do they need to do? Does Rafa need to go? I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts here. It's it's tough to say Rafa has to go, I think, because, yeah, they're, they're not doing well. I, I think everyone in the world understands that if you're following the Premier League. Um, and I think definitely a portion of the blame has to be laid at his feet. I, I think it's a confidence issue for them at this point. Mm. I mean, you, you can't – you draw one, one to Chelsea, December 16th, and then you lose to Brighton by shipping in three goals against a team that doesn't score three goals very often. That mm-hmm. Scoring goals isn't Brighton's forte. Despite their so, XG. <laughs> despite their XG. Yeah, and then they, they beat Arsenal one week, you know? So it's just, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's just very up and down for them, but it's, it's Rafa's job to motivate these guys and get them to do what they're willing to be doing. I don't think it's a system issue. I think, what the way they play is fine, and I think that they have the right players in each position. I think it's just an execution factor. I, these guys just look every time they pick up the ball, it just looks like something's not they're not comfortable almost in a sense. Um, but with that being said, I think you have to seriously start thinking about the future of your club. 19 points with only 18 games played. Do I think they're in danger of the drop zone, even though they're only three points above? Uh, three places above 18. No, Everton is not going to go down. Let's just, let's just be real. There's too much talent on that team. So mm-hmm. yeah, probably you should, probably should stick it out for the time being, but mm-hmm. that's probably, that's probably in the back of Rafa's mind at this point. He has to assume that that's at least being murmured in corners. You know if I mean? you, if you were the Everton board, do you back Rafa to get a player transfer window? in the transfer window, given no. the fact that they've spent money in the past? No. 
they've spent a lot of money in the past and the players they've brought in haven't always necessarily worked out. Rafa isn't necessarily working out. If he asks for hypothetically a new center mid or a defender or whatever, do you give him that 20, $30 million to go do that to potentially bring you up to like 10th place or ninth place? No, because I don't, 10th and ninth place is the same thing as, as, as 16, uh, 15th place at the end of the day. You're not, you're not getting a European spot. You're still Everton more football money, club. Though. It's more yeah, money. Probably, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but you're still Everton football club. You still have a presence bigger than half of the league, right, at least. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at that and go, do I believe in the manager at that point? And at this moment in time, I don't know that you do. I mean, look at the team he put out. I mean, Solomon Rondon was on the field. Alex Uwobi was on there. Andre Gomes, Lucas Digne. Um, is on the bench at that point. Sorry, on the bench. You have Allen, Demari Gray, Ducore, Calvert-Lewin, Ben Godfrey, Michael Keane, Jordan Pickford. You're talking about just about your best lineup out there against Brighton, right? Just about. I know Richarlison's not on, not on the field at that point. I get that. Mm-hmm. But you have a strong enough lineup to, to give just about any team in the league a game and get points off of almost everybody in the league. And it's perpetually not happening. That, at a certain point, has to come down to the manager. There's not seven players misfiring because, coincidentally, seven players are, are out of form. If that happens, it's because the manager's out of form. So I think you have to be looking at that going, no, you're not getting the money until you prove to us you can get the best out of these players, which is not happening at the time. Mm. Okay. That's no, a fair point. Then moving on to 16th place, Leeds, 19 points, 19 games played. In the one game they played due to COVID, beat Burnley 3-1. Um, Those are big points just in general. I know it was only one game, but for them in particular, you know, three points away from the drop zone, like we were just talking about kind of near Everton. Um, They're at 19 points behind Everton, a goal differential. Um, But yeah, I mean, they, they, uh, in my opinion, they have a couple games to play uh, as do Everton actually, Mm -hmm. but um, games in hand, which can help propel, propel them up the, the league a little bit, but Leeds really need to start stringing together performances. I still don't think they're in danger of being relegated, but I worry for them because looking at the goal differential minus 19 out of, I think the other teams besides like Norwich, right? Yeah. It's that's like one of the worst goal differentials in the bottom half of the league. Yeah. It's definitely up there. So I'm not saying that could come back to bite them, but I mean, you got to do something about that. I, my opinion in the transfer window this January, just solidify the defense, make sure there's no probability of you going down, get a center back immediately fucking leave. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's probably like, number one on the shopping list at this point. Let's be real. Like they, they really need it. Um, they got to clog up those holes. Um, Cause you know, I, so we'll, we'll see, but those are yeah. big points for them um, in general. Yeah. I, I do I do think the scoreline was a little bit flattering, though. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the game. I mean, mm-hmm. possession was pretty close. Touches, passes, clearances, tackles were all just about spot on. I mean, they didn't really truly wrap it up till till yeah. 90-something minute when Daniel James scored. So I think they're, I think there's still a little bit of trouble. But again, mm-hmm. I, I don't I think 19 points you're not going down at this at this point in time, given where the bottom three are. So yeah. Yep. And then moving towards the bot, still the bottom, but more yep. bottom. <laughs> um, Watford, 13 points, 18 games played, lost 4 1 to West Ham, lost 1 0 to Spurs in unbelievably heartbreakingly fashion uh, at the end with a 96 minute header against them. It's a tough end of the calendar year for them. Um, they still sit above two points of the relegation zone. But 
you got to think, um, you know, directly below them to Burnley. They're at 11 points, 17 games played. Uh, they didn't have the greatest end of the calendar year to, to theirs as well. Um, but that's going to be a really tight, tight race, in my opinion, between the two of those teams um, for the, the last relegation spot. I'm not sure I still have confidence in Watford, just given their, I guess, inconsistency and their ability to just kind of get blown out a lot. Um, I still kind of would give Sean Dyche the advantage in terms of like being able to pull his team together to scrape that 17th spot and avoid the drop. But be curious to hear your thoughts there, Vito, about both teams and where they're sitting in particular. Yeah, um, Watford's actually on the worst run of form in the entire league right now. That's six straight losses for them at this point in time. The only other team that's close is, in, is Norwich that I believe has five losses in a row right now. It's it's not looking good. It just they, they just are very, very leaky at the back, obviously, and that's where they need to be strengthening up. Mm-hmm. I think, to your point, I think Burnley is going to be a tight race with them getting out. I mm-hmm. I still think personally that Newcastle get out of the drop zone by the end of the year. I think Watford, wow. Burnley, and Norwich all go down this season. Wow. I, yeah. I just I, I cannot see I new I think Newcastle uh, gets out because uh, of the investments they're gonna make in January. They're being linked uh, with Gary Trippier. At, as of right now, until everything's official, Newcastle down, unless mm. they sign somebody. Agreed. I get that. But but that being said, um I mean, for Watford in particular, one thing I will give them credit for, I don't know if this is, a, I guess, the right thing to do, but I think they had, like, their striker, Emmanuel Dennis, who's in, who's in really good form, actually, their, their mm-hmm. striker. Playing fantastic. Yeah, he's he's doing great. And then Ismail Sar. I think they denied, or they, they might have delayed, I guess, like, their countries in AFCON, asking for them to go to AFCON. Because they need so to now, stay up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, look, <laughs> here's this the fucking dealie right now. <laughs> It's kind of it's kind of messed up because obviously I'm sure those players will love to play for their country. But um, I thought yeah. it was relatively cheeky on their part to be like, oh, you know, we kind of missed the deadline. To, to do that. We're, we're not giving them to you. <laughs> so um, here's my main worry, though, with with Watford at the moment. You look at the teams that are in the bottom that are currently in the relegation zone. Burnley and Newcastle only have I can't believe this is a real stat. One win so far, right? That's two. That's two wins in like thirty-six combined games, right? Watford of four, which looks great, but they only have one draw on the entire year. When you're in a relegation battle, every single point counts, and they can't seem to do enough to scrape out those points here and there. Mm-hmm. The, the odd win for Burnley and Newcastle will come from time to time, but the fact that they both have eight draws and they're able to amass those points against when they need them, yeah. that's going to be the difference in the end of the year Come with all these teams. And that's what's so worrying with this Watford team. They can't seem to either hold the lead towards the end or keep the draw. Mm-hmm. They just they just fall apart. I should say just keep the draw because they're mm-hmm. not dying, obviously. But And that's, that's my main worry with this team. And that comes down to the defense. So... Yeah. They need some reinforcements. Yeah. And then moving on last two at the bottom, Newcastle, 11 points, Norwich, 10 points. Um, Newcastle got a huge, huge draw against Man U in their only game played. The one big concern was that Alan St. Maximane went down injured near the end. Um, We just, we just talked about it a little bit. They're going to more than likely spend a crap ton of money on players who I guess want to go and be in a relegation battle. But um, Kieran Trippier has been linked. Yep. They've been linked to Sven Botman, um, really trying to 
upgrade their defense, it seems drastically to, to avoid that drop off. We'll see what happens with them. Um, I still think there's every probability that they go down unless these players that they're being linked to sign for them. Um, not to say it will happen because I'm not sure what player wants to be a part of a losing team for that. <laughs> I have an answer for you. Aaron Ramsey. Reporting oh. Reportedly, Aaron Ramsey is negotiating his own transfer out of Juventus with, with to Newcastle New- right now. Yeah. What? Really? He wants, he, wants out of, he wants out of Juventus. Juventus want him gone. And he's personally working on his own transfer. <laughs> that's that's some serious dedication. Look, if they, hypothetically, let's just say this. If they're able to sign Aaron Ramsey and let's say Kieran Trippier it's or Sven, Sven Botman, yeah, I think you give it to him. I yeah. think you say, I hey. I think they say they get out. I, I think you, Assuming if they you get healthy. Yeah, if you can give just a little bit more quality to that team, they probably get out. But I mean, right now, given where they're at and what they're what they have, I, I don't see anything yeah. changing for them. Star forward in Allison Maximin, a star midfielder in Aaron Ramsey, and a star defender in yeah. Trippier is is a good, or a good spot bottom. to be. Yeah. So I, I think if they get two out of those three players. They're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, agree. Um, and then Norwich, uh, not to or go. Norwich. Yeah, 10 points, 19 games played. They're just getting battered in every game. Um, it looks like they play very well. I feel like they're just just missing out like that one little opportunity to to go ahead in games. I mean, they're not they're not scoring goals, obviously, which is a problem. They're not even double digits yet. Uh, they have eight goals in 19 games, so clearly that's that's the issue. I mean. You could also look at it and say they've conceded 42. So maybe that's the yeah. issue. But... Yeah. Um, but, oh. I think at this point, they're 100% a lock to go down. I, I want to I... say 100 because, I mean, at the end of the day, they're only a point behind Newcastle, one point behind Burnley, even though Burnley have two more games to play, and three points behind Watford. So Yeah, but, I mean, when's the last time a team with minus, what, 30-plus goal differential stayed up in the league? I'm sorry. The defense is too leaky. I don't see it. I, as much as I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, and maybe those who are listening or Norwich fans, give them the benefit of the doubt because they deserve it. Just given the defensive woes, I, it's very hard to be realistic about that situation. So, Yeah, and I mean, their schedule is – it's not the most forgiving for the second half of the season. I mean, City, Chelsea, Manchester United, Aston Villa, Wolves – West Ham, uh, twice West Ham actually. Crystal Palace, it's it's gonna be tough. Yeah, tough sliding for them. Um, hopefully they stay up though. We'll see. Prove us wrong. But moving on, uh, going through the bold predictions of Week 18. There's oh, a couple my favorite part. I know. There's a couple games in here that we're gonna go through that have also been added. I believe that were canceled due to COVID, if I'm not mistaken, that they're playing earlier this week. So we'll touch on, touch on those in a second. But Vito, do you have the updated tally count for those who actually care? And <laughs> I think the only person that cares actually is not on the call right now. <laughs> Steve McCutcheon. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a little tough right now because uh, everyone's, uh, you know, so many games are coming in and out. But um, I'm closing gap on Steve, who's in first place right now. Steve's at 78 points. I'm at 73, and you are sitting at 71. So you got a little bit of a mountain to climb, my friend. It's okay. Um, but it's there's okay. a decent amount of games that have, like you, to your point, have been played so far. So it's going to be a, an interesting, interesting battle down to the end of the year. All right. Let's get into it then. Go through the games for, let's just call it 
a, a big match week 18 with the added games. So first and foremost, Southampton versus Brentford on tomorrow, Tuesday. Yeah, or not tomorrow, Tuesday, excuse me. Jesus, I got my days mixed up. I guess up. technically today because it's going to be released <laughs> tomorrow and we're doing this Monday night. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, on the on the 11th of January, uh, Southampton versus Oh, Brentford. shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A week. <laughs> Southampton versus Brentford. Uh, who do you have? I take a draw on this match. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say a Southampton win. Ooh. Everton, Leicester. Same day. A big win for Leicester against Liverpool. You know they have to slip up. <laughs> it's just how they do it. Now, I, I think they go back-to-back wins here. I, I don't – I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to pick Everton when you're on, they're on a slide as bad as they are. I would agree. Leicester uh, by a goal or two. Next day, Wednesday, the 12th, West Ham versus Norwich. I'm going to probably go West Ham. I just do not trust Norwich in any game right now. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe. Yeah. Following game, Friday, the 14th, Brighton Hove Albion versus Crystal Palace. This is actually going to be a pretty This is going to be an interesting match. Yeah. This is going to be a really interesting match. Was um. Was Zaha's wasn't a straight red, right? So he should be back for this match because he was sitting out of uh, the Spurs. It was, match. it was it was not a straight red, right? So he's back in this. He's back in this match. Mm-hmm. I I think this ends up like a one-one game. I think you're going to see a draw on this match. I hate to agree with you, but both teams are very prone to. I feel like dropping this. Yeah. So. City Chelsea, one of the games of the weekend. Not one of this is definitely the well, I guess you have the North London Derby, but you got one and two come up against each other. Yeah. Oh my God. <clears throat> this is going to hurt me so much to say it's going to be City. Chelsea looks better. I'm going to say a surprise Chelsea win here. They do have their number. They, <laughs> Thomas to say, Tuchel likes to beat Manchester City. I, I'm going to say a surprise Chelsea win here. At the, uh, what is it? At the head. At, at the head, where all the the fans are. <laughs> um, all of anyway. them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess all of them. We're <laughs> gonna have to get a food truck to feed that many people. <laughs> uh, I, I do think Chelsea will pull it out. I think that draw against Liverpool would give them a whole lot of confidence, and I think they have a Chelsea have a couple games against Spurs coming up, um, and then they obviously have the City game, but. I think Lukaku will be slowly integrated back into that team. Mm-hmm. That's probably a game he – I would assume he has to start. Um, and I think he's going to cause a whole hell of a lot of issues for those center backs, and you're going to see Chelsea players finding a lot of space on the wings. In my yeah, opinion. with with the with – the, uh, uh, what's it called? Oh, my God. With Ruben Diaz back there, I mean, you need that big guy to, to occupy him a little bit and open up some space on the outside because, obviously, the form that Jao Cancelo is in and presumably yeah. they might they might play Kyle Walker out in the right back position with all that pace yep. and quality they have. Yep. They're really going to have to work on getting some isolations for Christian Pulisic. And in my opinion, I think probably Hakim Ziyech if Lukaku plays because he's going to need the service of yep. Ziyech in that match. Um, and that's that's going to be integral integral to that, that working out. Um, Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, one thing that I forgot to mention earlier, Thiago Silva penned a one-year extension with Chelsea today, mm. which was a big move for them considering the contract negotiations between Rudiger and Christensen and Aspilicuesta are, well, just not going great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a big signing for them, yeah. to say the least. So good for them. 
Next up on Saturday, Burnley versus Leicester. Who do you got? I think it's going to be a draw. I think Leicester is going to put out a stronger lineup against Everton, knowing the quality of Everton, regardless of the format they're in. And they're mm. going to they're going to have to rotate slightly. I mean, that's going to be two games in just about four days or so, maybe a little bit less, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and I think I think I can see a slip here in turf more with Burnley, who need points, who are willing to sit back and soak up pressure. I'm I'm just not overly confident that they're going to have the legs to do it. I said Leicester to win the game the week prior or the games yeah. a couple days prior. I'm going to say Burnley to win this game. Win. Okay, I'm taking the draw. Yeah. Cool. Next up, Newcastle, Watford. Actually, a very big game massive, um, massive. for the bottom of the table. But that being said, depending maybe by this point in time too, because that's the 15th, maybe we're talking about a different Newcastle team. Um, so we'll see what happens. That being said, right now, given the run of form, given the players, I think this is a, and I'm going to go on a limb here. I think this is a Newcastle win. I think it's a one nil Newcastle win or I'm sorry, a one, a two, one Newcastle. win. Excuse St. Me. James's. Yeah. I think they, I think they pull it off here. Um, I'm not saying that they're going to assuming they don't even sign anybody. I think if Alan St. Maximan's injury isn't that bad, I think if they have a couple of days rest, they're going to probably be feeling pretty, pretty high and mighty off the way they played against Man U. Um, I, I kind of get the feeling like they know what's on the line with this game. Obviously, Watford will too, but I, I think Newcastle and Eddie Howe pull out a win here. Yeah, the, the Allen St. Maximum injury was a, a quote-unquote low-grade injury, so it, it sounds like he might be available, but I actually like Watford for this match. I know it's away from home for them, and, and Newcastle – have looked looked pretty pretty damn good against that game against an albeit floundering Manchester United team at this moment in time, but I think the fact that they're withholding Ismail Sar mm-hmm. from playing, who's obviously their their star player at this moment in time, mm-hmm. I think they're going to have enough firepower to get through a Newcastle team that just, I mean, regrettably doesn't defend very well, and the strength of Watford's in their attack. That's where most of their points are coming from, the fact they're winning games, scoring goals, even though they, when they lose, they ship, they ship a ton in. But I like a, like about a 2-1, 3-1 win for Watford in this match. Mm. All right. It'll be a great game regardless. It'll oh, be definitely. a lot on the line. This, this match could determine – if one of these teams win, I think that's the team that stays up. Okay. That's, that's – okay. I can see that easily. I think it'll be dependent on if Newcastle are able to get anybody in and get them playing within a certain time yes. frame, which I'm saying we'll, as we'll, is, we'll as is. Yeah. Next up, Norwich versus Everton. Um, interesting game. Both teams not in the greatest form. I still don't – until any something changes on the eye test with Norwich, I, I just cannot in good conscience yeah. go with them. I Maybe agree. they get the slight draw, but – I feel like this is Everton's game to lose. So I, I have to go Everton here. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you too. I mean, picking Nor- Norwich is literally a 5% chance at this point. They've won one of 19 games. Um, they're not playing well to your point, but it's going to be quality shown through. And obviously Everton have more quality of the team at this point. So it's going to mm-hmm. be an Everton win, in my opinion, too. Mm-hmm. Next up, Wolves, Southampton. Who do you have, Vito? It's going to be a 1-0 game. Obviously, obviously, yeah. It goes without saying. And I I think Wolves Wolves win this match. I think they're just starting to find a rich vein of form where 
they're going to have what they need to get past this Southampton team in their home stadium. That, that Wolf stadium is rocking every time you watch oh. a home match. Oh, yeah. Rocking. Oh, it yeah. is such, it's such like a, a well, like an American football term, the 12th man, I guess technically soccer too. But um, I, yeah. think, I think they'll have enough to get past them. I think Wolves take a lead, but I think Southampton makes one back and mm. it's a 1 1 draw. Uh, Southampton have been pretty good about playing teams tough and they, they don't really, I feel like they don't lose a lot of like 1 0 games to, from what I can yeah. tell. So I, I see it being like a 1 1 draw. Um, next up, Villa, United, Gerard versus Ragnick. Oof, let's see. I actually earmarked this one as my toughest prediction for the week. I, I've been mulling this one over for a little while now, and I'm having trouble picking a winner in this match. Uh, my my gut's telling me it's it's going to be a draw. Um, United don't look good, but they're due. Ronaldo knows knows that they're due, and Ronaldo's going to show up like he always does eventually, just like a Champions League match, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think you can sleep on Aston Villa. They have played astoundingly well since Gerard took over, and even more so than that, they've played very well against the bigger teams. And Manchester United at this moment in time are the most out of form, bigger team. So I think I give mm-hmm. Villa, via uh, Aston Villa, a really good chance in this match. I just don't think they have enough to get all three. Mm. I think this is going to end up being maybe a one-one match. Fair. I think with Ragnick getting, uh, I guess, a week now, right, where he's going to get a chance to play with the squad and instill more tactics in them. He didn't really get to do that over the Christmas period. I think you're going to see that maybe slightly same effect Conte got a little bit with Spurs, hypothetically, where he had a little bit more time, or any coach does for that matter. And they can kind of instill more ideas in the players. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see yeah. that shine through against this Villa team. And I think because of that, it's going to be a Manchester United win. Yeah. I would also like to earmark, this is also going to back you up. They brought back the greatest center back of all time today. Phil Jones. Jones. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> they dropped Harry Maguire for Phil Jones, which, well, I mean, Maguire, I think, was out with uh, an injury or something like that. So technically, it was a forced substitution. But once you have that Phil Jones face in center back <laughs> position, anything is possible, my friend. <laughs> would you, here's a question for you Would you keep Phil Jones in or would you keep Harry Maguire in right now? Phil Jones didn't play a bad game today. He really didn't. He made a, a one or two really crucial interceptions inside of his own 16 uh, 16 jesus christ inside his own six yard box yeah um even if mcguire comes back i think you need to make a statement with mcguire this is the captain of your team who is arguably one of the worst performers week in week out for your team i think ragnick keeps phil jones in that lineup i think who was who was paired with him lindelof this week uh, today i think uh, I think so. It was either him or uh, Varon. Varon. If Lindelof's, if Lindelof was there, it's it's obviously Lindelof. Lindelof. Yeah. But if it was between Maguire and Phil Jones, I play Phil Jones right now. It, it, you can't. Worst case scenario, you're just gonna have a second Maguire back there. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. At least he's a little bit more mobile. Yeah. Um, moving on, Sunday games: Liverpool, Brentford. If it leads anything up to the game that they had earlier oh my this God. season. I, if that's if it's anything like that game, uh, this might be the game of the the second game of the year because the first game they played was electric. Um, who do you who do you take in this? I take Liverpool. L- Mo Salah shows absolutely zero sign of slowing down. He almost scored a thirty yard 
I guess, chip, curler, whatever you want to call it against Chelsea. Beautiful finish against Edouard Mendy for the second goal. And Mane's back on the score sheet as well. Um, Diego Jota's been great all season long. I think I think they look good. Um, I just don't think Brentford has, has at this point in time to keep up with that at Anfield. Yeah, at Anfield is... It's a different beast. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to say Liverpool here, but please, for the love of God, Brentford, prove me wrong. Another 3-3 game, please. I'm on my knees. Liverpool's <laughs> wearing those Harold, the, those um, Ronald McDonald jerseys. I think they'll, <laughs> they'll be fine. <laughs> Next up, West Ham United leads. Um, in this game in particular, this is kind of, I feel like, one of those trap games where, like, a West Ham yeah. team – like I. I just don't know what I'm going to expect out of them because um, Leeds do play people really tough and they also get their asses beat seven, nothing. So, <laughs> I mean, we'll, it's one of those games where like, I don't know if there is a right answer <laughs> to this. Um, I, I know there won't be a draw because just based on the way West Ham have been playing and Leeds, they don't really draw too much and there's going to be goals. Apparently West Ham five plus goals in the last games, Leeds three, one leaky defenses, Fast attacks, counterattacking. Um, I kind of get the feeling this is going to be a 3-1 or like a 3-2 West Ham. Yeah, it's also worth noting that this is an FA Cup game. Oh, shit. Yeah, they, they play Norwich on January 12th back in the league. Um, I still take West Ham. Yeah. I still take West Ham. Leeds, Leeds we, we say we've been saying it for – we said at the beginning of the season, like, no, don't worry about Leeds. They're going to get out of the relegation zone, out, out of the relegation battle. And, yeah, they're slowly starting to do that, of course. They're 19 points, I believe it is now. That's so better for them. But they still haven't put it together to be the lead team they were last year. This is indefinitely a sophomore slump for them. Um, but there's just too much quality in that West Ham team. And Leeds just don't know how to defend. And West Ham are just so good going forward. Uh, so I, I think this is going to be like a 3-1 match for West Ham at the end of the day. Also, it's a Premier League game. I just checked you. You're wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not. What? Oh, January 16th. Yeah, they, they also played them on January 9th. I was like, like, are you picking a FA Cup games right now? <laughs> I was not wrong. <laughs> um, that that being said, moving on though, uh, you said you said West Ham. I said I take West Ham. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then debatably the game of the weekend, if there's a couple of great games this weekend or that this upcoming weekend, but Spurs, Arsenal, North London, Dabby, who you picking? Why are you picking them? I'm taking Arsenal in this match. Spurs are going to have a point to prove. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is where the Conte honeymoon ends. I think Arsenal are just too in form at the moment. I know that the Spurs haven't lost any matches. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But they're not blowing out teams. They're picking up, what, three or four draws within that span as well. Mm-hmm. Arsenal are a team on the, on the run right now. I mean, look what they just did against City. When you put that type of performance, performance in against City, when you're already in a good run of form leading up to that, it's not a one-off, I think mm-hmm. you have to go with the form. I don't think either team is better than the other at this point in time. I think it's a very talent level match, but I like, I like Arsenal for this. Fair point. I totally disagree. (laughs) (laughs) You're a Spurs fan. Um, Unbiasedly, of course. Um, That being said, I obviously understand both teams are in a great run of form. However, 
what I am seeing out of this Tottenham team was not even remotely close to when that initial North London derby. Of course, I agree. With Nuno in charge. And I think because of that and because of this Conte effect that we've been kind of talking about and the fact that there are key players for Spurs who, not to say Arsenal don't have this, but playing well above their quality at the time being, almost like when Pochettino was in charge and it was more about the team playing well, not just individual players turning it on. Um, I think the Spurs team is really ascending right yeah. now into their own. And it's going to be a tough game. It always is in a North London derby. I think Tottenham at home, given the fact that they lost the way they did against Arsenal, to your point, Vito, they have to show up. They're going to have to do something. Yeah. And really put it on the fucking line. And I think because of that, you're going to see an energized Conte, an energized team in general, whoever he puts out there. And I just can't fathom a Spurs team losing this game at, at home. I don't know. I, I mean, because of those reasons, it's, it might be a little obvious, but it's going to come down to whoever takes their chances. I mean, yeah. When we looked at that, that Manchester city and Arsenal game last week, we said it, we said it earlier in, in, in the show, Martinelli had two or three chances. Martinelli could have had two or three goals. Yeah. He could have, he, have. he had two one-on-ones. He curled one that just missed the, missed the post. They almost had, they should have had a penalty in my opinion. And then you look at the Spurs team where Harry Kane's obviously not Harry Kane right now. Hermin Sons, as well as he's playing, he's not scoring or creating enough chances as, yeah. as he normally does. Yeah. And it's just, it's like, it reminds me of the game um, when they played Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Spurs should have won that game against Liverpool. They could have been up two goals at any given point in that match. And they, they weren't. They're not putting away chances. Neither of these teams are. So it's going to come down to those odd opportunities where, when you have those chances. So, so here's my question to you. If you have that same scenario, right, who would you back to finish those chances, though? A Harry Kane and human son. It's not who I back lock, to do it, though. That's, it's not who I back to do it. I back Spurs to do it, but it's who do I think is going to do it. And I think that at the end of the day, Arsenal is going to create more chances, and mm-hmm. that's going to be the difference maker. I think the, the amount of chances they're going to create against the Spurs – is going to be higher, and whenever you create more chances, you're giving yourself more opportunity to score. And I think that Arsenal will be on the front foot for portions of this game. Conte, sure. as good as he is and as amazing as Conte is, he's not known for this fluid attacking style football where he, he ships in four, or five, he puts in four or five goals a match. That's not him. He's going to sit back and defend. He's going to defend when he needs to defend and hit counters that we did at Chelsea, that we did at Juventus. But Arsenal like to be on the front foot. They want to be in the opposing section. And that's how Spurs are set up to play. I know. It's going to be a great game. I can't wait. (laughs) So, I mean, we'll we'll see. I think, honestly, whoever wins this game um, will finish above the other at the end of the season. I think this is like that turning of the tide game for one of the two teams. Yeah. Either Arsenal win this and they go on to finish like a top five, top four, or Spurs win this game and they go on to finish a top five, top four. It's going to be one or the other. Um, I will say, I think this game's going to be one in the first half. Yeah. Antonio Conte is the tailor. That The reason I think Antonio Conte is one of the best managers in the world, like top three managers in the world, because he's one of the few guys that doesn't buy players to just to build his team. Like, obviously, every manager wants to buy players, but he knows what he has at his disposal, and he sets his team up to play to the each team strength. 
if they go into halftime level, Spurs have the advantage, in my opinion. Arsenal were on the front foot in the first half against City. Mm -hmm. They could have put it away, and they didn't. If Arsenal win this game, it's going to be because of the first half performance. If you go in level or down, Antonio Conte locks it up. Mm. All right. It's going to be a hell of a weekend. A lot of great games. So be on the lookout to watch. Yep. That being said, um, we're at the end of our bold predictions, end of the pod. That'll do us do it for us on this episode of Sunday League Screamers. So please remember uh, to hit the comment, like, subscribe, give us five stars, whatever it is. Again, we deserve it. We need it. <laughs> please. Just we us, really... not Steve. He's not here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, feel free to like us on Spotify, on Apple, five stars. Um, so interact with us on our Twitter at SLScreamers underscore pod for daily tweets about anything in the footballing world. Um, that we have going on. But with that being said, uh, this has been Michael and Vito signing off. See you guys next week.